Thank you for listening to or watching the very first episode of Repeat Theater, essentially a podcast and live book club about movies and TV shows that we're rewatching together. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or you're watching the vodcast later, you can always catch me live at repeattheaterlive.com. If you want to become a Patreon, you can go to repeattheater.com. Just take the live out. Uh, the, essentially, what we're going to be doing is, is walking through the Marvel Cinematic Universe in chronological order. We're also going to be working our way through shows like Stranger things as well as wild card picks and breaking bad so every day will be a new episode uh, monday through thursday and we will be giving you that opportunity to be involved with questions and vip call-ins i'm going to just walk through my review i'm always going to do my best to make sure my reviews are spoiler free within reason these are older movies and shows but if you're new i want you to have a chance to enjoy the mcu for the very first time so before i just kind of walk through elements of the plot i just wrote things down as i watched the movie that i enjoyed I want to just say, like, I enjoy the Captain America movie more than I expected to. Full disclosure, I was never a huge fan of Captain America. I thought he was kind of corny. I was like, how are you going to make Captain America cool? When I think of cool superheroes, I, I think of Iron Man. I think of Batman. You know, I think of people with really insane powers. Captain America always seemed pretty basic to me. And I know fans of Captain America probably hate hearing that, but I'm just going to try and I'm just trying to be honest. As, as a fan, he was never one of my favorites growing up. And so I was thrilled to see... I was thrilled to see a really, really strong uh, movie establishing his origin. I think the f- my favorite thing that I'll try and weave throughout this is the mythology of Captain America not being that he's just strong, but he, he was selected for the person that he was. I really enjoyed the-, the scientist's perspective on that. That was probably my favorite development in the movie, and then obviously, I thought they did a good job with a lot of the things they did, making him more of a soldier. Uh, again, these are things I'm going to mention. So, the- I think the way the movie opens is one one of the strongest reasons folks could enjoy it because they tethered it to present day. The present day opening is really, really dope. They find the shield. They're like, uh, well, you're going to want to wake up so-and-so. This guy's been asleep long enough. You're like, oh my gosh. So you kind of, you forget that, but that's in the back of your mind. Like You kind of know this is not just going to be like an old-timey Cap. Like Cap's going to make it to the future somehow. Um, I like little touches too that they did. Like if you really pay attention, you can actually see Red Skull's face seam behind his ear when he's talking to the old man. So like Red School gets inter- introduced and he's great villain, but if it's a rewatch, if you've never seen it before, there's little nice things, little nuggets there that they pick that you can pick up on that from the very beginning you know he's not just a man. There's also a very small clue that he's got superhuman strength when they can't move the top of the the casket it's like a it's like a stone casket they can't move it and he just shoves it right off so they give you nice little clues right out of the beginning that like red skull is not just some dude walking around who's power hungry uh steve's intro is good i like how they set him up as this he's small in size he's big in heart they give a a very brief familial background of why he's so motivated uh to jump in and serve why he's lying why he's trying to get enlisted Uh, i like some of the foreshadowing it's obviously very very obvious unless you're just totally not paying attention like when he grabs the trash can lid as a shield uh, I, I like that it might be a little canned and forced but I thought it was good and then the guy says and this is something I'm going to bring back during VIP Colin because I don't want to spoil anything about the later movies but I love the you just don't know when to give up 
and then he ends up getting saved, you know, by Bucky. I think we see that come later in other movies, and I don't want to mention where we see that, but just know that scene, you just don't know when to give up, is actually really important long-term for the character of Captain America. Uh, It's not just a throwaway scene. I think that's one of the things I liked about Captain America, is they don't really do throwaway scenes. Everything is seemingly, if you're paying attention, is kind of of important. Um, I, I think Howard Stark's involvement is a nice meta touch. You have to understand we're watching these chronologically. So if you watch these in the release order, you already know that Tony Stark and Iron Man are a part of the MCU. So having having Howard Stark in there, I think is a very, very nice touch. I think he's well cast. Um, I also think when you want to create tension within a character, one of the scenes that might get passed over is when he tells Bucky, this isn't about me. And Bucky doesn't see it as pure. Bucky sees it as he's trying to prove something, but the doctor sees it differently. I actually thought that scene was very important. Bucky's like, this is about you trying to prove something. And, and, and Cap, Steve is insistent that it's not about me trying to prove something. And the doctor sees that spirit in that heart. And that, that differing viewpoint between him and Bucky is what gets him selected. Okay. Now, this all leads to him getting selected. I think that the doctor's choice of him, the doctor's interaction with him is very well written. Uh, Stanley Tucci is absolutely brilliant. And then Agent Carter shows up. Yeah, I think her intro is a bit canned and a bit forced. She got the cocky guy that she has to punch in the face. That didn't feel necessary. It's like, oh, we have to establish that she's tough. I don't like when they force stuff like that. There's plenty of other scenes with her that I think do a better job establishing that she is a very, very smart and and very strong person. I I didn't like that, but whatever. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones is perfect. He shows up right behind on the heels of that, and he's just exactly what you want. Uh, as a grumpy old colonel, he's just perfect. Um, and then when he's talking, when he's talking about Cap, he's like, "Look at that, he's making me cry." Uh, <laughs> look at that, he's making me cry. Good comic relief. Uh, they throw the grenade, the fake grenade, and he says he's still skinny. I thought the way they set that up was excellent. You know, the doctor chooses him because of who he is, and he's worried about choosing the bully, choosing the mean guy. And the doctor knows this. The doctor knows this because of Red Skull. The mythology, I think, building here is great. They're really building the mythology and the backstory of Captain America as it's not about the fact that he's so strong. What really drives him and makes him a hero is the person that he is. The doctor knew Red Skull's origin would be the same exact thing if they chose their superstar, because he already went through this once with somebody who was powerful hungry so I, I i appreciated that very very much now stark's involvement i think is really really good meta story building the fact that you know howard stark is actually the one that's helping with the experiments um and it makes it it, it kind of i think clues you in that this is attached to a bigger world and a bigger universe again we're watching it in chronological order so you would know that going into this movie that, that that's that's a nice touch now, something that I picked up on that I had never picked up on before, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, we're not going to be watching the Hulk in this chronological watch-through, so this is a little unfortunate. Steve's eyes do something very similar to what they do with Banner in the Hulk, the zoom-in big eye thing. It was almost frame-to-frame identical. It felt very similar. I don't know if that was on purpose or not, because there's similarities between what leads to Banner becoming Hulk and what leads to Steve becoming Cap. But I So I don't know if that was intentional it felt like a parallel maybe it was completely unintentional maybe it's just a thematic shot they like to do when something's happening to somebody but to me it actually i I liked it i thought that was kind of cool how he kind of made a similar uh face to hulk 
I also like that his character started the experiment. Steve's character as a person started the experiment, but it also kept it going. He shouts out, no, I can do this. Thought that was excellent, that it was, again, it's they're, they're really wanting to reinforce that he is the reason that this happens. And I, I thought that was a very good way of weaving even in his, his resilience and strength and his will is as strong as his body, because he's not even strong yet when he says, no, I can do this. They're going to cancel the experiment. They're, they're calling it off. They think it's hurting him, so they're going to cancel the whole thing. Carter's pursuit and her shot is 10 out of 10. So when she chases the guy that kills the doctor, this is why I don't think that they need to have her show how strong she is in that one scene where she punches the guy. She's a great shot. She's good with her gun. She's brave. She's going to stand down this guy in the taxi. Cap knocks her out of the way. She's like, I had it. Again, I think that's a good clash there of she's she's confident in and of herself. She didn't need saved. I actually thought she was going to get hit by the car. I mean, even if she shoots him, the car is going to car's gonna hit you so but i but again i thought that was a good scene to show she's a strong agent she knows what she's doing i don't know how well her show did i don't think it lasted very long the way that they sort of show captain america finding his legs and his speed was so well done because that's realistic if you suddenly were a lot taller and stronger you would be a little uncoordinated and so him crashing through windows and struggling to to understand just how fast he is just like his size of his body is different that's just passive storytelling done in a very good way they didn't have to be like oh man Cap is clumsy because he's bigger. You just can tell, man, this guy's having a hard time because he's so much faster and bigger than he was, uh, you know, just literally moments ago. They do more foreshadowing with the Lucky Star cab door. You know, he holds it up and then it it serves for the newspaper picture. I think that stuff is kind of cheesy, but I like it. I'm okay with it. It was, again, it was more cheesy foreshadowing. He grabs the Lucky Cab door and there's there's a star on it, you know, foreshadowing the shield. Again, I think something the MCU has done so, so well in all of the movies, and this one is, there's no exception, is I think their use of comedy throughout is very well done. When the doctor realizes Cap can't have the alcohol and he drinks it anyway, and the kid, the kid says, go get him, I can swim. I thought that the way, the way that they, the way that they've done the comedy in the MCU, you know, over the, over all of the movies, I like it that it doesn't feel forced. It, it feels genuinely funny and well uh, well written. Uh, and and listen, Captain America's appearance ex- like is explained, and I think it's good and believable. Like why he's suddenly so large, what he looks like. I think it's. I think I like the way they explain it. It doesn't feel. Uh, it doesn't feel forced. Um, it in it doesn't feel like the 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 way that he shows up and the way that he looks is like all of a sudden so dramatic. I thought they did a very good job with with Chris Evans. Obviously, he had to work out, but um, I liked too that like Cap felt like he had to prove himself. So this is one element of the movie that I think could have gone very poorly. He's not just suddenly Captain America. He's not like hey. I I uh I I have I, I have all this strength now throw me into the war they're like no he's not just snap a hero so what they do is is they very creatively do this backstory of why his outfit's kind of different it's 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 a little hokey at first and I like the way that they did that and then all of a sudden he has to prove himself this is better character development than if just they suddenly like click a button you're really strong you're Captain America he was put in a position where he had to prove himself which developed the character in a better way 
Cap finding Bucky was a little canned and forced. That's something that happened a couple of times in this movie. Why was Bucky the one, you know, tied down? Why would they know to tie him down? Why would Cap know to find him? Um, you know, well, he just happens to find him in that room. I thought that was a little silly. One of my favorite parts is when Red, Red Skull finally meets Cap. I thought this was very, very well done. Uh, just one punch from Captain America reveals Red Skull. That was good storytelling too. Just showing that when they clashed, it exposed who Red Skull was. Just one punch and his face comes off. And then you see the difference between the two. Um, and, and in that sequence too, he is not afraid to use his gun. That's something that I think immediately shows you that Captain America is not just, oh, I'm going to run around with my shield and save the day. As soon as he realizes how strong Red Skull is, he reaches for his gun. The soldier is still is still present. He's, he's not just going to become this valiant, I won't kill anybody, I won't shoot anybody. He understands what he's up against, and he immediately goes for his gun. That was a, that was a nice touch. Um... The kiss is such an overused scene. I'm not sure why I wrote that down. <laughs> oh, the kiss. Yeah, I, I can't stand that when Natalie Dormer kisses him and he doesn't push away and it causes like tension with her. That, I'm so sick of them doing that in movies. That never happens. That's not a thing. Like all of a sudden she's like, you're a hero. You need to be rewarded. And she just lays one on him and she just happens to hold him long enough for Agent, to, you know, uh, Carter to find them. I get that. That's so overused in so many movies. I could have done without that one, but it did allow her to shoot at him. I thought the uniform debut was very, very good. It's very soldier looking. He doesn't look cheesy, doesn't look corny. He looks and has retained his his identity as a soldier. I thought that was a, that was a nice touch. They did a very good job with the shield, making Captain America look cool. I know probably was a bit of a challenge, but. They also showed he's not afraid of using a gun. As soon as he's in combat, he's using guns, he's shooting people. I think that that's important. He's dropping explosives in the tanks and stuff. They're in a war, and he doesn't try to, like, hover above that. I always kind of find those idealistic heroes annoying, you know, to be fair. Bucky's shield grab is really, really good. Um, I'm not going to mention what his shield grab leads to. We know that he falls out of the train. Um, obviously, if you've watched the MCU, um, I guess that's a minor spoiler. You know Bucky's not gone, but I'm not going to tell you in what capacity. I like, though, that him leaving, right? Him leaving for a time is the springboard is him grabbing Cap's shield. I loved that. Everybody thought that was foreshadowing that, like, he was going to be Cap. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, now, the, the turning point now here is when they get Dr. Zyla, I think is how you say his name. I, I, it's, it's spelled, I don't know if they ever, do they, they, they call him something else, I feel like, in the movie. The interrogation with Tommy Lee Jones, I think, is such an excellent contrast. He's this tiny little weaselly survivor, and Tommy Lee Jones is just this older, stronger, meat-eating grump. I, I loved the contrast between their two characters. I thought that was a great juxtaposition. He is a survivor. He's not uh, He's not popping the pill that, they, that the, one, the one guy they found did. He's not doing the cyanide thing. He's he is like, nope, I want to live. And so that that leads to, I think, a really, really great interchange. The, the cinematics of Captain America fighting are some of the sequences that, is it Zola? I can't, I think, I think it is Zola. Sorry, Dr. Zola. Cap's motorcycle entrance is a bit much, I feel like. Um, sorry, it's Zola. It looked like an eye the way I wrote it here. 
I think he does a really, really good job in the fighting sequences, feeling strong. The shield hits, the sound effects, the flyback of the enemies is great. The motorcycle entrance is a bit much. It just feels kind of it feels kind of cheesy, um, but it leads to really, really good fights, and then he gets taken captive. I never like when plans in movies are like this, though. Captivity seemingly was part of their plan, so it's cool it works out. But it's kind of like, how do you know they weren't just going to blow you up or shoot you? Like, I guess they're hoping that the pride of the enemy is they're going to want to get him captive and take him inside. They could have easily just killed him. They had, like, all these flamethrowers. They had, like, 18 18 people around him with guns. I've always felt that was a little bit uh, much. Now, when they're chasing Red Skull, he's in the plane. Uh, another great, funny, com- comedic moment that that's naturally woven in. It feels it feels genuine from the character. Is when Tommy Lee Jones says, "I'm not kissing you." I thought that was I thought that was really really cool. I, in those moments, you know, it's a little cheesy that she kisses him and she's like, "Go get him," and they sort of bring you back down from the cliche moment by having Tommy Lee Jones make a joke. Uh, Caps assault on the plane. I like it. It's acceptable. It's believable. It feels improvised. He kind of has to make do with he's trying to keep these bombs from going off and he gra- he grabs the one, he ends up on it and then flies it back in. It felt it felt like how something like that would happen. He doesn't just strut in and take the place down. I think that's one of the things they do very well uh, in the MCU is they they set up fights and they set up encounters that don't feel just super cheesy. The heroes are here and the heroes win. I think that that's something that you can see even in this movie. They set up encounters like that very, very well. Again, the narrative of Cap is continued. You don't give up, do you? You know, th- that line from Red Skull, again, that's just a really, really strong identity marker of who Cap is. Says you don't give up, do you? Um, now, this is... This is touching on another movie, so I can't say what ultimately happens to Red Skull, but I like that the Tesseract sort of takes him. We suddenly see, like, the like a galaxy of some sort, and it just takes him. just rip, it, And then it just drops to the ship, and they, they, they find it later. But I liked that. It was not a, a fight to the death. It was, not a, it was not just a complete duke out. I thought Red Skull's exit was better than just fist to cusk with, ga- with Cap until it finally comes to an end. Obviously, then, you know, the plane crashes and Cap ends up in the future, which the way they tie him to the present was just, I I really, really liked it. Now, obviously, we're watching it chronological, so it hits a little bit different. All of a sudden, you got Samuel L. Jackson. You're like, who the frick is this? Like, obviously, when this landed in release order, that was okay. That was a little different. That was a little, that was like, oh, okay. that's, That's Nick Fury. Well, when we're watching it chronological, I think as a fan of Marvel, you're like, oh, that's Nick Fury, but they don't really say who he is. So since we're watching it chronological, um, I agree. They could have elaborated on that scene because that leads to the post credits. And then he's like, I'm trying to save it. He's like trying to get me back out in the world again. And he's like, I'm trying to save it. Um, I don't think they elaborated on those scenes because at this point, we know what the MCU is. We know the characters because we've seen Iron Man, then Iron Man 2. We've seen the release order and chronological flips some of this stuff on its head just a teeny bit. I did like how Cap realized he was something was off when he heard the baseball game. He's like, I was there. That was a nice touch. Uh, to show and all of a sudden he's just thrust into the present world the way they paced that I thought was well done they didn't beat around it they were like yep he's no longer in the past he's in the present bye bye agent Carter we're all sad about that 
you know, but the the ending I thought was uh, was an acceptable one. So as far as an origin origin story, I, I think they told it very well. I think they paced it right. I love how they built a good backstory into why he selected his cap, and I thought it led to good good fights, good clash with the enemy, and it wasn't just super cliche. There were a few cliche moments, but by and large really enjoyed this. So we're going to transition to Q&A and VIP call-ins. If you're listening to this or watching this elsewhere, you can always take part in these live at repeattheaterlive.com or become a patron at repeattheater.com. As always, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of Repeat Theater. This is going to be the Q&A session that followed my review of Captain America, the first Avenger. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, maybe watching the past broadcasts on YouTube, you can always catch me live at repeattheaterlive.com. If you want to become a patron and be involved to submit questions or join VIP call-ins, you can go to repeattheater.com. So the, 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 the .coms are basically the same. One has live in it, the other doesn't. So repeattheater.com takes you to the Patreon. Repeattheaterlive.com takes you to the YouTube channel. You can always hit subscribe and the bell button. That helps me out. You can be here for these streams Monday through Thursday in the afternoon around 3 p.m. Eastern. So, Fally says, How well do you think the franchise could have been had John uh, Krasinski been casted as Cap? I like John a lot. I really enjoyed him in um, in Jack. Well, he's playing Jack Ryan. I thought he did excellent as as Jack Ryan. I think my only concern is I think Cap is supposed to be more traditional, chiseled jaw, super good looking dude, and John is more. He's a little bit more like nerdy good looking. I'm not saying he's not good looking. I think he's a stud. But I do think looks play a factor into casting. I mean, are we going to say that anybody can play Wonder Woman? I I don't think so. We're not going to say anybody can play Captain America either. Their appearance has to be in somewhat, you know, relation to what they looked like in the comics. And I do think Cap has to have that Superman, big jaw, super you know, super good looking uh, guy. And I worry that John doesn't quite look like Captain America. Um, I just, I don't know. Chris Evans is just, he looks like Captain America to me. It was like when they cast Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark and you saw him with the goatee and you're like, oh yeah, that's Tony Stark. Like, nails it. Just boom, as soon as you see it. So the first time you see Chris Evans and you see his jaw and his face and his hair and he's got the suit on, it's just, that's Cap. Um... I think John uh, Krasinski would have done a phenomenal job as an actor, but I don't think he has the look. He has the physique, too. Like, John Krasinski got huge for one of those movies. Like, that dude can get big. He can bulk up. But Chris Evans has just a very, very good look. I also think there is something about Chris Evans' voice that sells it. There's something something very... Uh, I, I can't even think of what it is. There, there's something in his line delivery and his voice intonation that feels very Captain America to me. And I really, really like him as as Cap. What What's crazy is he was in another movie. I mean, he was the Human Torch. I mean, he's in other movies as a super arrogant, super stuck-up guy. And he just... He... he he folded into Captain America so well. I mean, watch, was it, is uh, Knives Out. He's so good in Knives Out. He's just totally not even the same character um, at all. And I thought he did, uh, I thought he did a very, very good job. He just, there's something pure about him, about the, the way that they portray him, uh, the way that he, the way that he talks. There's something, I think he actually really embraces the dated, 
the dated good guy the dated clean cut guy very well like just his voca- just the vocabulary they wrote for him and the way that he talks and stuff um I thought I thought Chris Evans did an excellent job. So I'm always open to new to new casting opportunities. I know a lot of these movies are going to get into multiverse and they're going to you know recast parts and change things and do different things. I mean, who knows what they're doing in 20 years? But I thought they nailed it with all of the casting up to now. You know, from Tom Holland all the way down. I just I don't think they've made a mistake yet. Uh, other than when they I think Ed Norton was okay, and then they switched to Ruf, Mark Ruffalo. Um, I think Mark is a better banner, and that was a bit of a course correction, obviously, in, in who they thought was a better fit. You feel bad for somebody like Ed Norton seeing what happened with the MCU and all these crazy movies getting kind of cut out like that. That had to be a bit of a bummer. Um, so, same thing when they changed uh, Rhodey. You know, Rhodes got changed. Uh, that that was probably not very fun to be the guy that got, you know, that got bumped off of the, the casting. So, th- that's one of the most thing. that's one of the most understated things, I think, in the MCU is the excellent casting that they've done because that's so much a part of selling it. If you if you try to picture anybody else as Cap or Artie or, or, or Tony Stark or any of these other roles, it's just it's really, really difficult. Even down to the smaller parts like you know, uh, Hawkeye and and um and Black Widow. I even think down to those casting decisions, they they did a very very good job. That's who I picture as playing those roles now. They they nailed it. Um, I disagree with you, Lono. Fury was a fat white guy originally in the comics. I thought I've seen other versions of Fury though. I don't know. I don't know. Nick Fury works. I, it works for me. I know it's Samuel L. Jackson, and it's hard not to see Sam. But it's like I don't know. I think it works. I like it. Um, and again. He's he's in it, but yeah, he actually is in it quite a bit in Avengers. That's true. I was just thinking he's not in it that much. He's more supporting, but he takes pretty good center stage for a couple of the movies. Um, I don't know. I liked it. I, th- I think that they've the casting is one of the, the one of the central pieces of the value of the MCU, um, which to obviously touch on a, an entirely other you know other franchise. But the DC universe, one of the reasons it's so disappointing is that they have a perfect Superman and a perfect Wonder Woman and a perfect Aquaman and they completely jacked up, you know, Batman versus Superman and Justice League. They just totally jacked those movies up after such great casting, you know? Jay Negron says, do you think that they could have done a better job at making Arnim Zola a bigger threat instead of just a mousy scientist? Um, I, I'm, I don't, we're in Q&A, so I can't get into spoilers, so I'll be very generic and say he shows up later in a, in a, in a different movie, and I think that they do a great job of showing more of his brilliance and more of his, uh, more of him as, as a, as a character. Um, yeah, somebody just put a screenshot in Discord. There is a Black Nick Fury. I was gonna say, I swore I've seen comics and, and pictures of him, um, I don't know why that just feels like a better fit to me. I don't know what it is. It just, it looks right to me. I think that might've been the first time I was introduced to Nick Fury. So maybe that's why. Um, So I think Zola was overshadowed a bit by Red Skull. You could definitely sense in a couple of the scenes, he's almost shocked by, uh, by like, why is he, he, you know, he, he kills those Germans and I think at that point, you you see a picture into like Zola understands. Wow, this is actually 
bigger and and scarier than I originally thought. Um, and so, I don't know what they what they were doing with those scenes because when he gets interrogated by Tommy Lee Jones, he's like, no, 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 nothing will be enough for him. He wants the entire world at his feet. This guy wants to be a god. He likens himself to be a god. And I don't know if, like, maybe he didn't expect that to be the case. It's like, this guy's trying to be stronger than the Fuhrer. Like, of course he's going to be marginally or heavily insane with power. And so, I'm not familiar with Zola in the comics, but I did feel they changed him. Well, not changed him, I'm sorry. They had him almost sort of taken aback. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that this guy wanted to create these mass weapons, these crazy strong weapons, and he's actually going to use them. Like, I'm not really sure. Because when you first meet Red Skull, he's like, and the Fitters digging for trinkets in the desert. Like, you're like, oh, okay. So he actually doesn't really care about what Germany's trying to do at this point in history. He's more, he's on his own, he's doing his own thing. And then they really, really land that plane for you when those guys show up for an inspection and he just gets rid of them it's like he just she just he just blows them away and they disintegrate and at that point zola is almost shocked which that confused me a little bit and then you 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 have him in that interview with with the colonel with tommy lee jones's character and it's it's almost like he's just a survivor he's just a scientific survivor maybe he was growing to dislike red skull or something i don't know he was definitely getting yelled at in the one scene cuz all their all their all their bases and stuff were getting blown up cuz you know cap apparently has photographic memory uh so yeah i would have to be more familiar with him as a bigger threat instead of just like you said like this little mousy scientist but i think when he shows up later it's pretty dope and i don't want to give anything away about that but i like how they have him showing up later it's actually i think shows just how intelligent he was um with 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 how they pull that off my man jb go hard says love this film my only beef with is it not expounding or exploring the Cap Bucky friendship? It was more about the whole Howling Commandos as a team rather than the relationship of the two. Thoughts? Here's what I think they wanted to do with this. It might have been a time constraint thing. So I thought they did a really good job showing that him and Bucky were they were they were friends for a like like childhood friends and they lay that ground in the beginning of the movie and I think one of the important things about that is at the time Cap is this little weakling and Bucky's like this ladies man good looking dude super confident that you know the 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 polished soldier and I thought that was supposed to really convey that a deep a deep or at least long standing friendship was present and then when they started going on these missions it definitely did feel like it was more about all of them you had the explo- you know the the explosive expert guy like plugs his ears and they, they get rid of that big old tank and then you got the big burly guy with the mustache and he's just i mean he just is just cool he is immediately as soon as you see him you're like ah, i know that guy that guy's that guy's a character that's not just an off like an off out of frame character like he's going to be a main you know a a main part of the story and it might have been cooler to establish some of the missions with like a bucky cap fighting thing and they kind of show that on the train because cap slams that thing with his shield and the guy gets out of the way and bucky's just there and bam and you're like oh wow these guys are fighting really well together 
that wasn't built up. There wasn't like a montage of like Bucky, Cap, you know, friendship fighting together, uh, all that. Um, that's definitely something that they they probably could have built up more because it definitely feels like it definitely feels like by the time uh, by the time Bucky falls out of the train. You obviously know Cap's going to be busted up about it, but they could have maybe strengthened that a little bit as as a storytelling uh, as a storytelling aspect, um, because he you know he's like he figures out that he can't even get drunk. Um, he can't even he can't even get drunk. He figures out like his metabolism's too fast, <laughs> so he's trying to get drunk because he's so sad. Um, so I I think if the beginning would have been too uh, light on their friendship, I would probably agree with you more strongly. I agree with you to a point, but I did feel they did an excellent job in the beginning really establishing Bucky was almost like a bigger brother to him, and then the roles reverse. And then, you know, Cap's the bigger brother. Because when Agent Carter shows up to the bar, Bucky's like, he's like trying to hit on her, and she pays no attention to him. He's like, I'm invisible. He's like, I'm turning into you, you know? And again, that's a conveying a history, that's conveying a friendship, a long-standing, uh, you know, situation that they had. Um, there was a moment with Bucky uh, and Steve fighting together. Bucky saved him. Oh, yeah, Bucky saves him with the one snipe shot. You're right. Yeah, because that's that Cap. That gif is all over Twitter where Cap, like, looks up and does a little salute. So that's true. That's true. But I think what JB is getting at is it was more about the Howling Commandos. Like, it was more about the team than the two of them. And so there are things that happen later in the MCU that would be maybe bolstered or strengthened by what JB is trying to highlight here that they could have spent a little bit more time on that. Giza with the next question seeing how Captain America's character was introduced did you have any inkling as to how he would have developed over the course of the subsequent films I mean if you watch all of the origin stories okay they all are clearly very very different so Tony is just the genius narcissist and then you have uh, Thor is sort of the god <laughs> I guess the god narcissist <laughs> Thor's Thor's more of an arrogant god than he is a narcissist he's not necessarily in love with himself he's just he's super super cocky super arrogant um, and then you get uh, T'Challa's origin story we, you know we haven't really gotten into those movies obviously we're chronological so we don't want too many spoilers here I'm giving generic you know character descriptions you know T'Challa is more of a his origin story is actually more about Wakanda than him I think that's actually one of the more interesting origin stories because of that theme and I think it's very clear that Steve's gonna be the the uncompromising pure character um and I think the challenge with a character like that is it's difficult to develop them beyond being, you know, incorruptible. You got other, the other characters are more damaged and can grow from being damaged. Cap is just sort of like obviously a little mopey and sad because of Agent Carter, and he's essentially accidentally time traveled because of ice freeze in his body. But outside of that, it's kind of like. I think it's harder to to add depth to a character that is just so pure and so incorruptible, um, so uncompromising. It's, I think it's easier to look at Tony or or Peter Parker or some of these other characters find their footing, find their way. Cap finds his way very quickly. 
he you know the, the the hardest challenge he has basically is is as it seems in the movie is figuring out how to run fast as he's like stumbling into the, into the into the shops and stuff and then he has to prove himself because the the colonel's like I don't want you I wanted a I wanted an army and all I got was you you're not enough so he has to prove that he is enough but that's not necessarily him developing as a character that's him kind of waiting for a moment to show off how strong and smart he is um so I don't know you I mean if you watch the the transformation and the growth of of Tony Stark and you compare that to Steve Rogers it's it's kind of hard it's like there's there's not a lot to do there he's he's kind of the same guy in the later movies that he is in the first movie that's not necessarily a bad thing I just think that's a difficulty whenever you have a pure as the driven snow character that was one of the things I liked about Man of Steel I like that Superman had emotional depth and they showed the isolation and the loneliness and the sadness that came with his powers instead of him being just hands on the hips superman you know here to save the day never does anything wrong they added a depth there that i that made me really enjoy that telling of superman they 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 didn't really do that with cap i don't necessarily know if they could have done it with cap um so I'm happy, and obviously as we get into the movies, we can talk about this more because I don't want to spoil anything. I'm happy with the way they develop his character. I think we see some good things in Winter Soldier that I'm not going to talk about right now, but I did think I do think that there's there are good things they do with Cap. I think it's harder to see the needle move because he is so pure from get-go. Um, so... Rexus. Not really a question, but maybe gets the ball rolling. Howard Stark really is a lot like Tony when he's young. Do you like how he changed when getting older and that he kind of got less confident? Um, yeah, I mean, this isn't like super big spoiler. Howard Stark's very minor in his appearances and stuff. And I, I did like how they, as I said in my trailer... If you watch this in release order, it's very clear why Howard Stark is around. They're creating a meta story. It's a it's a bigger story than just Captain America. They're attaching it to the entire universe. So, doing I think doing that is was was good. I I, I liked they did change the actors, which was kind of weird. I don't know why. You know, I don't know if that was a that was an age thing. They needed maybe an older guy um, in Endgame. They needed an older guy, and then. Uh, the recording I'm not spoiling anything I'm not going to say any info but Tony finds a recording and it's a different I think it's a different guy so it might be the same guy as the guy in Endgame I think it is I think they use the same guy in the recording that they use in Endgame so the guy that they use in the cat movie I don't think they ever use him again Um, unless they went back and cleaned some stuff up I I don't remember Um, so I think that they, this is one of the things I think they did a good job with is whenever they would go back in time or whenever they would reference, you know, the past, they always kind of did a good job of showing it as well about how, how things had progressed. But, um, I don't think this is a, this is a huge, huge thing to discuss mainly because he's kind of a, he's kind of an offshoot. It's three different actors. Oh, is it? Oh man. Yeah. It's all over the place, isn't it? (laughs) It's all over the place. Um, yeah, so... I The, uh... 
I just, I like that they did that though, that they showed, this is why watching Chronological is kind of cool, they show that all these, all these characters, all these developments were, were going on for a long, like a long, long time. Chalk, uh, Doctor says, it's always been reported that Kevin Feige had this grand plan from the start, leading all the way up to Endgame, and it was, and it really enhances the whole experience, making this feel like a real world. How do you think Marvel could one-up, or at the very least, stay par with the franchise post-Endgame? This is a good question. Um, I, I think because they're moving to t- shows, TV shows. Uh, I think because they're moving to TV shows, a good thing that they could do is have periodic crossover and little mentions of the things that are happening. I liked how in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. they would periodically reference the Avengers and New York and what happens in that movie. And I thought that does, I think that does a good job. It tethers, it tethers the worlds together. And I think they could do that. Now, I don't know if they would want to do this, but that could lead then to movies. X-Files has a couple of movies, right? Like you watch a couple, you watch like four or five seasons and there's a movie, you watch a couple more, uh, you know, then there's a movie. Um, and so I would say, yeah, a good answer would be to, yeah, let that guy continue, uh, you know, Phage, is that how you say his name, Phage? Uh, or do you say his name, Fahey? Uh, anyway, letting him keep things tied together. I don't know. I always like that when, uh, if you have two, two different shows that periodically interact and then you could do a really, really good movie, like bringing it all to a head. I think that would be, that could be pretty, pretty cool. Um, I liked when they introduced, you know, the Punisher in, uh, in Deadpool. I'm sorry, not, not Deadpool in Daredevil, uh, in Daredevil season two, you know, they introduced the Punisher and then he ends up with his own show. So that's another thing they could do is tie things together, create good spinoffs, um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has a great character show up that probably could get their own show. Um, I'm not going to say who, if you've never watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that may end up happening on repeat theater. You know, I, I, I think there's a lot of potential there. And so we'll see. We'll see if they want to tie them all together. I, as a fan of Marvel, I'm pumped to have shows because I think shows give more opportunity for character development. One of the biggest gripes people had about uh, the Punisher season one was it took too long to get going. And I wholeheartedly disagree with that. I liked that they took their time and it wasn't just, here's the Punisher angry and shooting guns. Woohoo. It was, no, it was going to be a slow burn to that point where it finally happened. And I think that that's far better storytelling than just jumping right in. And I, I'm hoping some of these shows, they can do that because I, 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 I think Scarlet Witch is one of the best characters in the franchise. I think she blows Captain Marvel out of the water. Um, as far as strength and, and, and acting and the portrayal and the, the arc that she goes through, I think it's far more interesting. Don't get me wrong. I actually was surprised by how much I like, uh, Captain, uh, Captain Marvel, but, um, oh, I forgot to say, oh, I should have said that in the Captain America review that we're watching Captain Marvel yet next. Oh, well, uh, I need to start saying that at the end of the episodes, be sure next week to tune in for, you know, the Captain Marvel review. Um, but yeah, I think the, I think that's, that 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 shows promise that they're willing to do shows. 
Because if you're going to do a show, you got to do a lot more writing. You got to do a lot more scenes because you're not talking about a two hour movie. You're talking about an eight hour season and then maybe another one. Like if they do one, two, maybe three seasons, that's a lot more hours than a movie. And so you've really got to be able to dig down deep and do good, do uh, good character development. And that has me excited. Uh, it also is a little concerning. It's like, ah, it's, this might be a little bit harder to pull off. Um, so yeah, Elizabeth Olsen is fantastic as Scarlet Witch. So I'm looking forward to the fact that, you know, that that she's going to be in a show and you'll get to see that character more often. I, I always get behind that. I think that's great. JB go hard with another one says seeing that people had their reserves, uh, with Chris Evans's cap with his first feature as a superhero was Johnny storm, uh, in fantastic four. I think he knocked it out of the park. Day one thoughts. I, I think this is a great point to make because we have another situation where everyone's losing their minds about Robert Pattinson playing Batman. It's same thing, right? Oh my gosh, Heath Ledger as Joker, get out of here. Oh my gosh, Chris Evans as Captain America, wasn't he, you know, wasn't he the, you know, the human torch in Fantastic Four? That was awful. He's terrible. Blah, blah, blah. You know, oh, he's in all these goofy comedy movies. He's just a, you know, he's just a pretty boy punk or whatever. I think people forget that it's called acting. <laughs> it's called acting. Like they're acting. They're putting on a show. They're becoming a character. And I think Chris Evans, Heath Ledger, you know, all these guys down the line that that have been thrown into these 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 roles that they seemed like they weren't a fit for. Um, and it's just and and they do and there's an excellent excellent job. Um, so they they. They could have they could have gone with a no name, truth be told. They could have gone with a no name. I mean if you think about it, both of the human torches ended up getting to become, you know, get get they got they both got to come back into the MCU. Cause uh the guy who played uh Human Torch ended up being Killmonger and absolutely nails it. You know, great, great character uh in Black Panther. And this is why anytime casting happens for movies, people just need to chill out and wait. Let the product, like, judge the product once it happens. Um, you know? Uh, I hate what, what they did with her uh, character. She was some lovesick idiot instead of being one of the most powerful characters. Who are you talking about, uh, Stephanie? You don't like what they did with Scarlet Witch? Um... Actors are paid to act. Also, they improve their craft with time. Uh, Ledger, Pattinson, and Evans are infinitely better now than they were back then. Pattinson most especially. I didn't even consider that aspect of it. That yes, they, they, they get better with time. Right? They, they improve... Uh, they improve over time as actors. They get into other movies. You know, they, they, they prove themselves in, in other uh, arenas. Yeah. Um... She was talking about Scarlet Witch. I didn't feel like they made her lovesick. I felt like they made her angry. I thought she was excellent in Endgame. I don't know that they did because listen, she she's she ah, shoot. I can't say anything. We're not supposed to put spoilers in Q and A, Dad Gummit. Well, bring that up again in VIP. I have to stop myself. We're we're gonna get we're gonna get caught up in Spoilerville, and I don't want to spoil it for the maybe the tiny handful of people that end up rewatching or watching MCU for the first time with us. So I don't want to give away why she's you know lovesick or sad or whatever. Um, yeah, I thought Endgame. Yeah, again, I thought she was better. She was better than Captain Marvel in Endgame. So. 
uh, we got a funny question here from Torch. When did Steve Rogers learn to fly a plane? Um, <laughs> I mean, I look, there's just certain things in movies. You just have to say, well, that's allowed. <laughs> it's Captain America. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, you know, to me, if, if, if you're going to be the Captain America, you know, the guy that can do anything, I mean, all he really does when he flies the plane is he moves the, he just moves the stick. I mean, I think we could all maybe do that to, to greater or lesser degrees. He flies that little one. And I mean, it seems pretty basic. It's just a little joystick, just a little teeny little ship. And then he like wrecks it into the front and then he crashes it. You know, he reads the radar or whatever they're, uh, wherever they're going. I, I don't know. That's one of the times in movies where I don't get that critical. I think sometimes in a movie like this, you yeah and he did crash it he didn't land it i think that's also fair it would have been one thing if he like landed it and then and then it like sunk it was like no he he literally crashes it he doesn't land it and he crashes the first one too right it's not hard to fly it's hard to land yeah these are good points he really is just controlling the direction he's not actually finessing the landing he crashes both planes he crashes the one right in and in the front of it and then he crashes the second one, the big one. So, sure, if he would have suddenly been like, yep, I can land this bad boy, and like puts it down real nice and gentle, then of course, we would have been like, well, hang on a minute. But he didn't, so. And again, I don't get that critical. Um, I don't get that critical in movies like this. Because he literally charges a tank on his on his motorcycle, and he puts the shield up in front, and he charges a tank and it misses him every time. It's like it's a straight shot. You're on a road. <laughs> you're You're on a road and they're missing him, you know? Cuz all I got to do is shoot that front tire and man, he's just going to head over heels just whoop, whoop 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 like go flying. And they miss, they miss it all. Um, I'll suspend disbelief for superpowers, but flying a plane is a learned skill. Well, and again, Torch, I think people are giving some good pushback here. He doesn't really fly. He changes heading and then crashes the dadgum thing. He doesn't even know at the end to try to like pull up to slow down. He just like, like just down in the ice. He just, you know, he knew enough. He knew enough to do the basics. I think we, I think anybody here could crash a plane. I'm confident we all could. I think we all could successfully be like, yeah, just play a flight sim and you you can successfully crash a plane too. Um, you just got to move the joystick like this and then nosedive it, you know, right into an ice, like right into an ice glacier. Uh, so, but funny, but funny, funny question regardless. Krebsy, how far do you feel Marvel plans the MCU? Also, why did Captain America copy Sentinel Titan in destiny (laughs) shut up um yeah i don't know how long they've got this planned out again if if i made speculation i would think they'd really try to cash in on tv shows being separate and those leading to blockbusters because the movies make a ton of money um and then they can get a lot of more people on disney plus it's, I would think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a twofold idea. Think about it like this. If you run, you know, you got Falcon and Cap and then you got the, the other one with Scarlet or whatever. 
and then they run these you know they run these shows that lead to a movie the movie can lead to another season so they're banging on all cylinders at that point everybody's signing up everybody's signing up for Disney Plus then everybody sees the movies and like oh my gosh what a cliffhanger what a post credits that's gonna be related to the next seasons and now you gotta go watch the next seasons so you now you're gonna go and then you're gonna go watch you know get more Disney Plus um I mean, that's what I would do if I was in charge. <laughs> that's what I would do. I, you would you would funnel so much more viewership to the blockbuster, to the big movie hit, if you have the seasons banging on all cylinders and interacting with each other, some crossovers here and there. Like, you, d- come on. If all of a sudden another character shows up in one of those shows or crosses over, you're going to be so hyped. You're going to be like, oh, it's him. Oh, my gosh. Like, we're, we're all going to nerd out if that happens. And then if they bring them all together, you know, for a movie... I also think that that'll be that'll be another form of like getting everybody excited. So that's a solid first Q and A. I really enjoyed that. Thirty minutes is plenty. We don't need to go nearly as long as we do with excuse me with Destiny. Be sure to watch Captain Marvel before next week. That's the next movie in the lineup for the Marvel Cinematic chronological order watch through and we're going to follow up this Q&A with a VIP call in if you're VIP tier and want to call in I'd love to debate some of this with you and from here on out we allow spoilers for the whole MCU so don't stick don't stay if you don't want to hear spoilers if you're listening to the audio version it's time to stop because we're going to transition to VIP and you may hear spoilers and I'll do another warning on the beginning of that episode as always you can watch these live at repeattheaterlive.com or become a patron at repeat theater.com. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of Repeat Theater. This is going to be the VIP call-in that took place after my review of Captain America, the first Avenger, along with we did a Q&A session. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or you're watching the past broadcast on YouTube, you can always catch me live at repeattheaterlive.com. If you want to become a patron, join these VIP call-ins or the Q&A discussions. You can always go to repeattheater.com. Just take the live out, and it'll take you right to the Patreon repeattheater.com and pick between those tiers and get in the discord if you're on youtube please click subscribe and the bell button we've been we've been just now starting this channel and we want to see uh, all those uh, numbers go up so thank you everybody who helped us hit 1000 subs before we even started our first episode so we're gonna do this vip calling a little bit differently i have three people calling in i have wolverine rexus and giza and we're actually going to have all their mics on at the same time. They're going to be it'll be a little bit more of a roundtable. We'll still try and go in order, but it might be a little bit more conversational than our other our other thing. So it's not another episode. It's the first episode. Well, it's after the talking Q&A. This is essentially the first episode of Repeat Theater, but this is, in some respects, it's third because it's VIP. Whatever. You get what I'm saying. Anyway. Um, Wolverine, I'm going to start with you. What did you want to talk about? And again, guys, oh, as a, as, a, as a disclaimer, in case you've missed it, we allow spoilers when we get to this point in the show. So if you don't want to hear stuff about MCU that you haven't seen, I don't know what these guys are going to pull out from any of the movies. It's open season now. So th- if you don't want to hear spoilers, turn the episode off now or leave now because th- th- we're allowed. And this is this is in chat too. So you always want to stick around for VIP call-ins if you're chomping at the bit to talk spoilers. We will be reading chat as well. So Wolverine, what do you got for us? First of all, hi to you. Hi to Rexus. Hi to Giza. Hi to everybody on Discord and hi to everybody on YouTube. Uh, I want to start off by saying I think, uh, I think everyone could probably share this sentiment with me right now that uh, I want to say a quick rest in paradise to Chadwick Boseman over you know the past few days 
most of us probably found that information very stunning and it's it's very sad and it's 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 nice to look back and see that all that that uh, man was able to do in the, in the amount of time that was given to him so i think it's just a, a due respect considering the the topic that we're mm. we're diving into which is the marvel cinematic universe i think we should all recognize that we lost someone really great and uh he he will be surely missed and we we give uh his family prayers and thoughts well i appreciate you saying that i didn't even i know that like when this kind of stuff hits as a as a streamer and a youtuber you don't want to keep opening up the the wound and so in the live environment you know i've been live for seven or eight hours today uh, that wasn't in my mind. I try to visit the sadness in spurts. It re- it actually completely destroyed me. I was kind of shocked at how emotional I got because he was so young. And so being in a live environment, I try to, you know, every once in a while open that up. So I was, I actually appreciate you doing that. It's obviously very, yeah. very, uh, it's a classy thing to do. I mean, we, we, we are going to miss him and, uh, we're, we love the adaptation it was great. And it's just, it's, yeah. it's a very, very sad and, and early beginning, but we, we have a lot of things to celebrate in terms of the things that he's lasting and living and, and living on through for us to enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. So I appreciate you, uh, doing that at the start of the the start of the vip today so no absolutely i don't mean to make the uh, the mood a little uh moot or anything like that i just feel like he was a great soul and 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 not talking about uh the mcu and and speaking about captain america more specifically and and i know uh we're touching into uh um spoiler territory but just yeah. you know one of uh, T'Challa's first, you know, introductions with another big name here, minus uh, Black Widow, you know, was seeing Captain America in the middle of the Berlin street. But um, back to uh, the movie that we uh, got to watch over the weekend, you know, I uh, I loved that rendition. I think uh, Chris Evans, you 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 really uh, you hit it on the head in terms of casting. I think uh, in terms of the physique, the, the the body structure, the the face, the actions, I think it, it was a stellar cast. I know there's a lot of people that would look at the actor's history and be like, oh, that's kind of funky because you look at movies like Not Another Team Movie, you look at the renditions that were in Fantastic Four, he he's always was a, a very quirky, happy-go-lucky person. And then you mm-hmm. you get him into this persona and he's, he's stern, he's serious, and he, he's got, you know, uh, the the side of truth and righteousness on his side and it's 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 a it's an interesting take when we first got introduced to it um back when uh one uh thing i'd like to touch on uh among a bunch of things and i'm sure we'll get to talk about i don't want to take up too much time in the beginning because i want to expand the conversation but one big thing that that uh always touched about me in this movie was the introduction to the shield uh the introduction to the shield was a very good foreshadowing of the reintroduction to the shield if we you know touch on endgame and uh we remember when the shield was given back to captain america from tony when it was mm-hmm. first given to him from howard it's just little things like that that uh i feel uh give a good um taste of what's to come and then re-watching it going back you're like wow like that that was intentional like that's to get your mind going yeah, they, they're real brief with it, too, because he says, the doctor, like, briefly says it, because it's kind of a joke whenever uh, Coulson shows up and starts saying it, because it's a mouthful before they actually start saying S.H.I.E.L.D., and the doctor says it, he says it, he doesn't even say the full name, does he? He, like, almost shortens it. He's, like, strategic, 
Homeland or something, and he but he but he he shortens it or research division. He doesn't even say the full name. I don't think. When saying the acronym, no, no, he doesn't. Yeah, do they ever? I don't think they ever say the acronym. It's just sort of like. It's almost like there. It's it doesn't even. Colson like... does. Colson. Colson does. But that that's that's later down the road when we uh, when we start right. to get into Iron Man two territory. Well, in this in this movie, it's more of the military, right? I don't think they ever yes. they don't make it they don't ever make it clear it's Shield. It's just it's literally the military working with Stark. Yeah, so it was it was a subset. Yeah. Um, I don't know if if uh, if Geezer or Rex have anything to say about that about the this is especially if you watch it in chronological order, you kind of see the seeds planted for Shield. Which if you watch Agents of Shield or any of the other shows. Uh, somebody saying Shield wasn't created until after World War II by Peggy Carter. Okay, so that's that's where her show could land and and add some cool uh, colors here. But I don't know if uh, Rexus or Giza, you guys have thoughts on that. No, uh, you can, you can go, Rexus. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna start picking somebody because that's not fair. <laughs> you guys were both being like polite, and I should just pick somebody. <laughs> As a, as a host, that's bad. That's bad hosting. Okay, so Rexus, do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. It's the first episode. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll get into that. Uh, it's you don't only see like the the uh, seats for Shield being dropped, but also the the seats of Hydra being dropped if you watch mm. carefully, yeah. which is pretty awesome. You. When does it start? I need. To, I haven't rewatched the whole uh, MCU yet. <laughs> well, the, I never noticed this before. The Tesseract, like, it's like it. Do you think it chooses Red Skull? Because we know where Red Skull ends I, up, right? He ends yeah, up protecting I, the Soul Stone. Does the Tesseract do that to him? Uh, that's yeah. That that's something that is weird as weird as frick. Because, te, like he. He just let gets popped out of existence, or is rather, I think he's more teleported because that's the Tesseract's power. The Tesseract is a uh, space, mm, mm, mm-hmm. like yeah. not space in the word of space where our uh, where the planets are floating, just space in location anywhere. Right. And uh, he got the Tesseract probably just teleported in there, but. What we don't understand is, he becomes floaty. Why did he become floaty? What made that? Why did he become floaty? Where did his legs go? What happened? That, that the, made no sense. Maybe the maybe the planet did it to him. Maybe that that's his assigned role as like the guardian of the soul stone. Is it 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 changes him into more of an ethereal being? I don't know. I mean, he's he is kind of floaty. <laughs> he's like a wizard. He is floaty. He is. I mean, from what I heard, I think. When he first disappeared in the Tesseract, they weren't actually sure what they're going to do with him after that. Uh, it's only later down the line that they thought, "Hey, let's make him the Guardian of the Soul Stone." But yeah, that was definitely quite a strange thing to happen. I, mean, I, I always had a feeling he'd come back because unless you actually see the body, they always come back in the comics. So, well, and I know Hugo Weaving. I think he said he didn't want to do Red Skull again. So I mean, obviously he did, but it was way later and it was a lot less film time i mean it was they probably yeah. did that in a, like a week or less i mean it i don't think he wanted to do it again I, it might have been the makeup but he said he didn't have an interest in being red skull again 
which is unfortunate yeah. because he's such an amazing actor i have to say yeah and 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 the gentleman uh, i can't remember the actor's name but he performs in the walking dead he he did a stand-up job and and he's uh he's an actor with with uh with a talent for impressions uh and and uh he's really good he's really good and i think it, considering everything that he had to do i think he he filled uh, the shoes that very minimally many people might have even known or even noticed wait is is it not hugo at the end is somebody no. else in, in 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 infinity war no that's not hugo the the act like i said i can't remember the actor's name but his he's in the walking dead that's where he's most known for and he portrayed red skull while he's on planet vormir I did not know that. It's, yes. it's, it's Ross Ross Marquand. Yes. yes, he plays he plays the uh, Red Skull. That get out of, of get out of here! Yeah. I thought yeah. I thought Hugo yeah. came back to play it. No, unfortunately, no, he didn't. That's uh, that was a uh, kind of disappointing, just because of how you know it's you know Mr. Smith. It's it's just everything. But like I said, it's it, Ross Marquand. He's got such a great talent for impressions that you you probably didn't even notice. I, I didn't. I thought they got Hugo because I knew Hugo didn't want to, and I thought, oh, they got him to come back because it's literally the end, and it, you know, it was probably very brief filming. Um, and I, yeah, Ross is incredible. I actually got introduced to him before he was on The Walking Dead. He did his micro impressions, and he would do impressions of. So he would do Robert Downey Jr. or, or I'm sorry, like Robert De Niro in a diff, but quoting a, a movie that he's not in. So he, he he's very creative in how he does yes. it. That's crazy that it wasn't him. Yeah, Ross Marquand is his name. Um, is as as far as uh, as far as kind of like the you know what we're touching on is like introductions. I'm just gonna throw some other things out there that I didn't get to say in my review. I love the you don't just know when uh, you just don't know when to give up, and then he gets saved. His facial expression, his exhaustion is almost identical to Endgame. I love that parallel that. Yeah. He's like that bobbing, sort of like breathing heavily, and he doesn't know when to give up. And then someone comes in and saves him. And unfortunately, the timing of losing uh, Chadwick Boseman, I mean, that scene, we talked about it the day we found out he passed. That morning, we didn't know he had passed yet, or if he had. And I said that was the most powerful scene for me in the MCU was when T'Challa showed up. And so I thought, I love that they set that up as a, as just a foreshadowing that Cap will never give up. It gets to the point where he sometimes even has to be saved, like to a fault. He'll go until he's then, you know, he's no more. I have to agree. Uh, the one scene I can uh, reference in particular when in Civil War, in regards to how powerful it was to, for Chadwick and, and, and his conversation with Chris Evans when they were in the back of the German police vehicle. And uh, he was telling him uh, essentially how strong his conviction was to find the person who mur murdered his father and saying that in his in his culture, in his country, that death. I'm sorry. Captain Witten, oh. he, sorry. He told he told Cap or he told Captain that death is transcendence. That's how his father viewed it. And he respected his father, but he told him that he wasn't his father. And I felt like it really set the tone for for the kind of person that T'Challa was, and uh, it, it really, uh, really painted a great picture of how strong it was. Yeah, JB, if you're gonna come in, I think your mic's hot right now. Are you there? Yeah, yeah. 
What do you want to add? He's he's hopping in mid call here. <laughs> no, like when uh, when Yas just spoke about the whole Tesseract thing, it it doesn't make sense to the instance where he gets zapped. Can you, uh, JB? Can you mute the? I, we're here in the stream in the background. Oh, yeah. your mic's picking it up. Yeah. So when he gets when he gets zapped up, what happens is. If you remember in um, Endgame, I'm not sorry, Infinity War, when they first go get the Soul Stone, and he says that he he also sought out the stones, and that's how he got trapped there. I felt like they should have did a better job in explaining why he got trapped there instead of all of a sudden it's like it's the Red Skull here. It's like what the hell? Like how the hell did you just end up here after just being zapped away in the first Captain America movie? But I he said, yeah, I forgot he said yeah. that. It's vague. It's vague. Yeah, so that that's the only thing with the Red Skull that kind of threw me off. Where when I first saw him, I'm like, I get it because the guy that's, the, I mean, everything's funky with the MCU, and I know how people um, who are not comic book people don't read into it. But me being avid in comics, I t I, I don't read so much into it because I get it. Like, it's basically set in um, the Marvel six one six where it's if marvel characters were set in real life that's what the mcu is based off of with mm -hmm. the comics so when uh i know stephanie was saying she didn't like how scarlet witch was um the play it's because everybody's depowered so i mean if in all in honesty these movies would last like 10 minutes and everybody had the full potential of their powers like thanos would have just killed everybody with this you know with, with with you know just with the greatest ease though the fight on titan wouldn't even last it two seconds so right in, in order to make it compelling like everybody it has to be believable so mm -hmm. that's why i tell people you can't uh look at the heroes that you know of and say oh you know thor strong and the hulk strong it's no you have to go by as being realistic i look at it too like when 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 thanos manhandled hulk I'm like, yeah, in the comics, it, it, if Hulk, Hulk is endless mad. So if he would got Warbreaker, it would have been almost an even fight. So, but I said, all right, like it's a movie. I, I like the way they're playing it up. Banner doesn't want to, like Hulk doesn't want to come out. He, and mm -hmm. I, I was like, I get it. Like it makes sense. And the way they're depicting all this, the different characters. And then you, you see it by movie by movie, how powerful they get. So I said, like I said, in Infinity War and Endgame, you saw how powerful Scarlet Witch is because she single-handedly was going to destroy Thanos until he turned the ship over on him. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. it, so I said you have to see how they're slowly building up characters to how powerful that they can be, but don't want to op it. Right. Yeah. I. I don't want to get stuff on too many tangents, but I didn't like how much they sidelined Hulk. I mean, I get that he got like scared by Thanos, like that idea that there was something stronger than him actually scared him because he, I mean, he went from being this champion on this planet and now all of a sudden he, he gets manhandled and I, I didn't like how they sidelined him. I didn't like, I didn't like sci, you know, scientist Hulk at the end either. Like that, that was a bit of a bummer for me because uh, I, I love Hulk and I thought his debut in, in Assemble was so good, but then he, he gets pretty sidelined. And I, but, and I like the way you're putting it though, that there has to be progress, or as you said, it'd be a 10-minute movie. They have to get stronger. They have to figure out their powers and, and how to use them. Because, 
I've always kind of highlighted that scene. The Scarlet Witch was making Thanos like into a little kitten, and you know he barely saves himself. And I, I find her more impressive for that reason. She almost channels her rage and her her grief um, uh, as a way of doing it. And to circle it back to Captain America. I like that he's just a really strong soldier and a fighter, but in the first movie, that's all they really set up. They don't set him up just yet. Like, they, they spend the next couple of movies, and maybe that is Cap's character arc. We said that there wasn't much character development for him, but maybe his character arc is more in the realm of he doesn't ever really get any stronger or better at fighting, but his resolve and his will becomes, like, more of the centerpiece of what makes him so great. I gotta interject into that. Uh... I actually think Cap's uh, uh, what's it called? A character arc is not just um, getting more resolve. It's also honestly getting a little more. Uh, where is it? I need to find the word. I wrote it down. Uh, cynical. There we go. Mm-hmm. He he. He's at the beginning. He's like this totally bright, non-corrupted, just gem, and mm-hmm. trusts everyone. Is always yeah i'm doing it yes i'm doing it yeah i'm going in and no snarky comments no nothing just a br- just 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 a good boy soldier and he finally over the course of the movies changes a little to see the world yeah the world isn't that great i can be a little more snarky it won't hurt mm. and what i also love is that he is getting set up as being pure-hearted, and he says he stays that all the movies through. Like even if he gets a little cynical, a little snarky, that's he's still he's still jump. As he said to Tony, uh, he's still the one who would um, who would lay himself over the uh, what's it called the barb wire. the barbed wire and uh, let his fellow soldiers climb over him. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah. yeah. I think right. they did a good. I think they did a good job. Maybe, maybe Tony had that influence on him. What were you gonna say, JB? Like with 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 Cap. So okay. he he's. I think Cap is the main one that's depicted how he is in the comics because Cap is the beacon of hope. So everyone always looks to Cap for leadership because he's he, all his strategies is what makes the Avengers go. So. You know, he's that moral compass, and everybody's gonna say, "All right, you know." It's funny because, um, remember in Endgame when he makes the speech when they're about to go time travel and Rocket Raccoon's like he's really good at that. Like it's 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 funny, Mm -hmm. but it but it's true because that's what Cap is. Like he gives that rah rah speech, and then everybody believes, okay, we can do it, even if it's like they know they're gonna go to their deaths. If Cap says you can do it, then everybody's gonna believe so. So. I think that that's what they did well with Cap in, in every movie. He always was like, you know, this is the plan, this is the plan, and everybody just, you know, went along with it. Hmm. Uh, to to add on to the, the Captain America overall narrative arc, I, I perceive it a little bit more uh, linear and, and narrow in, in regards to how the movie that we're speaking about ended speaking it it spoke about uh how he said goodbye to uh peggy right as the ship crashed and 
essentially he spends the entire rest of his life uh, 70 years after that find trying to find a life outside of the military he's referenced from tony stark multiple times you know try try finding that life and then ultimately how endgame ends is going back to that dance that he promised peggy carter 70 plus years mm. prior i i think obviously we have the image of hope and i agree with all of that we have what is captain america absolutely but his his narrative arc was to save the day and and go back to the to the girl that he finally loved and found and, and it's something touched upon in every in, in every part of of his, everything he's involved in in terms of his standalones in terms of the things that he's uh he's in uh outside in the avengers like he's always looking at his pocket watch with her picture it's always about peggy and and i think that's great because it, it's it 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 brings this entire movie back into a a relative standpoint where we can all relate to something like that you know we can't relate to saving the world seven years of cryogenically frozen but we can relate to you know handling our business so we can go back to that significant person right yeah i mean what i would say is looking at the whole captain america arc i like to contrast it with tony stark's arc as well in the same way as Captain America sort of had the spirit to be, but he didn't have the actual body or the power to go forward with it. Whereas he then had Tony, who he had all the brains, but he was just completely self-absorbed in himself. And the way they kind of almost crossed over and infected each other, because mm. Tony makes the sacrifice play twice, technically, when he flies a nuke into the wormhole at the first Avengers movie. Yep. And then obviously at the end. And then as I think Rex has said before, Captain America is very much the Boy Scout. But it's through Tony, he sort of learns to question the authority. Obviously, being a soldier, he's always been about chain of command. When he finds out the shield actually using Tesseract to make weapons of their own, and he didn't know about it. And at the beginning of Winter Soldier as well, well, see, he thinks he's just there to rescue hostages. And then obviously Black Widow's off doing her own little thing for Nick Fury. And then obviously how it all breaks with Hydra, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. And it's almost out of a, say that sort of contrast between them, but they. You know, the hearts and the brains, effectively the Avengers, and you see that sort of that clash. But ultimately, you know, it all comes together in the end. And I like the fact he starts off as a soldier in the first one, but by the end, he's still the same soldier, leading his troops, sort of in that final thrust to him, uh, Thanos. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I feel almost he comes full circle, as it were. But he ends up going out doing exactly what he did when he first started. Yeah, it it, I like that. Tony's more haunted and and like Cap's more driven. I like that they're they're similar and that they won't stop and that and that Tony does make the sacrifice play twice, but it's very driven by how he's so haunted about protecting Earth and mm. Cap's almost doing it out of the pureness of just that's what he thinks is right. Like he's doing yeah. it and Bucky calls him on it. Bucky's like this isn't like you're trying to prove anything and I I think Bucky presses against that and is acting like, oh, that's not really, there's more to this, but it does seem that Cap literally is like that, like as you guys have called him, like he's kind of the pure Boy Scout, but Tony, all the way to the end, felt far more driven by, he was haunted about trying to protect the Earth. When he confronts Cap after Tony comes back and he's all skinny and he's almost dead, yeah. and he confronts him, he's like, I told you we need to put a shield around the uh, around the Earth to protect it, and... It's he, even at that moment he's still haunted by almost like his failure that they didn't do what Tony knew uh, was coming. 
Yeah, Tony's always an over-exaggerator. Look how haunted he was with uh, Tom Holland in Spider-Man. I'm so sorry to interrupt. I just didn't want to lose that train of thought of him being haunted. It's just he looked at the picture of him and Tom Holland in Spider-Man in the the Stark Expo, and, and that essentially was the powder keg for him to go make the uh, the bands to, to travel time. So I think yeah. it's it's a big part. So part. Yes, no, so the old thing is he's actually the only one who actually saw Thanos' fleet because he flies up to the wormhole and he sees the mothership and everything and no one else sees that. So obviously mm. that leads into Age of Ultron, he, you know, when they get affected by, how was it, the uh, Mind Stone again, wasn't it? I think obviously he has a vision. Yeah, it was the Mind Stone. Yeah, he has a vision and obviously he's the only one who's actually seen the real threat out there, which is why I think he's so haunted sort of bio thing and obviously yeah he when he came back in that confrontation with steve in uh endgame because again you know he, he'd seen what no one else had seen and they didn't trust him to do what needs to be done hmm. yeah they always I, clash though tony and, and cat yeah. always clash yeah. because it, like i said tony is always doing stuff more self-centered even though he's trying to protect the world but cap look at that says you you would rather protect the world at any at any cost and you don't use morals to do so yeah mm. jb i just wanted to say more or less that I, I just uh figured out a small summary for that cap was at the beginning always selfless and tony very um self-centered uh, se uh selfish and when they met, they kind of exchanged a little bit and started to exchange a little more and infect the other one with uh, the other property until yeah. Tony finally actually selflessly and not uh, selfishly um, used the stones. Mm -hmm. And Cap finally selfishly chose to spend his time with Peggy. I, I Cap love that you finally I, became selfish. I love that you highlighted that. Hang on. I love that you highlighted that because he says, I am Iron Man. And the first time he says that, it's so arrogant and it's so hubris driven. Like he's he's doing it out of pride. And the second time he says that, it is. He's transformed. It's an act of selflessness. I like that. What were you going to say, JB? Oh, no, no. I was agreeing with him. Like it, it was it was the perfect way that, that they reverse roles those characters towards the end. So I you just saw that growth and again if you was a if you was emotionally invested in it you got it like you got it right then and there some some of that went over people's heads like they don't even get that that they change roles like that yeah. so yeah that that was very good perspective i mean i saw that in i think in civil war as well where tony was actually one arguing for them to go with the accords and it was steve was going the other way mm -hmm. and it's like that's a complete turnaround because before Tony was the Maverick, he didn't want to join the Avengers in the first place. And then now yeah. suddenly he wants everyone to be sort of under sort of government rule. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially after Iron Man 2 as well, the whole the courtroom scene, you know, you can't have it. But then, yeah. uh, that was yeah, really so driven by. I was gonna say, I think that was driven. You can see that's the divide in what they're driven by. Like the white star of freedom. Like Cap is like, no, this is wrong. We can't compromise on freedom. And Tony is so driven by how he's haunted, he's willing to compromise and sign yeah. the accords, even though he probably deep down knows that we we're, this is a bad decision. He's being driven by the fact that he's more haunted than anything. 
I wanted to give another thing to throw out there that we couldn't talk about during the thing. I loved that Bucky's shield grab actually leads to him becoming Winter Soldier. Like, I think that's really cool. Like, the last time we see Bucky, (coughs) he's holding the shield. He's holding Cap's shield. He's looking mean. He's shooting the gun. It's actually kind of dope. And that essentially leads to the catalyst that turns him into the Winter Soldier. Seeing all the movies, you go back in some of these scenes, I feel like they're more powerful now, you know? There's there's so much foreshadowing in, in, in this in this film alone, and uh, you know uh, there's one one thing that I found uh, from this film that not many people know, but uh, when it was approached after uh, Guardians of the Galaxy came out, people were starting to ask questions. And what specifically I'm referring to is if we can recall the scene where uh, Cap had finally became captain america and he gained a little stardom and 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 women were approaching him for his autograph there's a blonde a blonde came up to him people were like oh this this actress she looks very familiar and she's the actress who played peter quill's mother and when this was questioned by james gunn james gunn replied and said laura haddock the actress who played this fan who approached captain america for his autograph plays peter quill's grandmother Hmm. So just one little one little thing that is just is interconnected that is just a part of the big picture of the MCU that they were leaving eggs whether it was intentional whether it was recycling of of actors a- actors and actresses to uh to to future roles it's just it's nice that they are they're connecting this spider web. Mhm. They always give their Easter eggs and these kind of things because they know the fans will pick them out. The, the mm-hmm. true comic nerds will, will find them all. I would have missed that one myself, but yeah. Uh, honestly, though, I'm not sure if ever if I'm pretty sure there are a few things that are on mistake and just happy accidents. I don't think everything is planned. Most of it, but probably not all of it. Well, I like in. I think it's in Iron Man where they're going through a bunch of junk and there's a Captain America piece of like memorabilia. And obviously that came out release order. That came out first. And so we see that and we're like, oh, that's a hint about, you know, Cap. That's a hint about Cap. And uh, in this one, I tried really closely to look at all the shield prototypes that he's showing to him to see if there was anything. Like one of them kind of looks like Iron Man a little bit. Like maybe that was just a little nod to like, you know, Howard would have passed on similar just DNA of, of what made Tony build the suit the way that he did. But there wasn't anything really concrete there. I just like that they uh, they do some of those nods and some of those those pieces of foreshadowing. And I, I like the one with Bucky because Winter Soldier is hailed as one of the better films in the franchise. And uh, I think Bucky... They do. They, oh man, they just, he, they, his character was so excellent. The way they took his arc and how he ends up in Wakanda, and they, you know, they call him the White Wolf. I love that. I absolutely love it. And I remember there was a real quick snippet of, you know, what does Shuri say? She says something about you bring me another, you know, sick white man to take care of or something. I was like, oh, we forgot. We forgot about Bucky. Like I thought that was a good callback when they did that. Yeah, I can't wait till we get to Winter Soldier. To be honest. <laughs> Well, no, Bucky was awesome. Yeah, that's yes. gonna be fun. One of the best yeah, ones. The the Disney Plus series will will definitely uh, be oh. great to see uh, him and uh, uh, awesome. Anthony Mackie. I mean, oh yeah, Fed yeah. Falcon, Falcon return yeah. because uh, that will also uh, give us more uh, clear uh, 
clairvoyance in terms of what happened to uh, Helmut Zemo at the end of uh, Civil War because uh, from the trailers we see he's out. He's doing something. So, mm. And it's good to see that uh, Baron Zemo will have a more uh, villainous arc in terms of the, the future Phase 4 of the MCU. Mm. Yeah, one of the things that picked Baron Zemo as the Zemo in the comics when he dons the you know the red mask yeah. and said that's that's what i was looking forward towards because i thought because i thought like his introduction into the mcu was kind of weak like i i get how like they just set it up but i'm like he's such mm-hmm. a bigger villain sure. towards captain and i was like this is kind of like a, of a weak way to kind of like you know bring him in but the fact that i see all right they got bigger plans like you know uh, from Black Panther stopping him from killing himself. I was like, all right, word. Like at least he's, you know, it's gonna be in future films. So it, at least it didn't end up like some super villains, like uh, one we can mention, <clears throat> Iron Man three. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't wait till we get to that film because Ooh. that that film deserves a a little butchering when it comes to something that rhymes with the Schmanderin. Yeah, uh, I know. Not honest. Oh, I, I, I'm going to be give pushback on that one. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> save, we'll, we'll, we'll save, save that. Yeah, we'll save, save the that. Iron Man. Save the Iron <laughs> Man debates. Because I, I, the Mandarin's <laughs> tough. I, yeah. Let, let me get. But let me get a one joke. It's gonna be civil war all over again. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. <laughs> Just on your server. What a pun. What a I'm, gonna pun. Mute, I'm gonna mute you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a pun. <laughs> Like, <laughs> so that uh, I unless anybody else anything super profound about Captain America because obviously I think anytime we're watching through this we're, we're going to get off on a lot of these tangents and side issues yeah. and things and like was Z- Z- you guys are ca- calling him Zemo he's the guy he ends up in the computer in the one movie and I liked that I thought that was pretty that's Zola you're talking that's about Zola. oh I'm sorry Zola I'm, I'm getting it confused who's but Zemo, then, who... Zemo was uh, the, uh, the the the, the, the soldier that was uh, living in uh, Zakovia and uh, you learn that his family died in Zakovia during the events that were happening in Age of Ultron. Oh, he's and a crazy, he he's took, a crazy guy. Yes, like, yes, oh. he's the one who essentially reopened up the mind of a Winter Soldier by uh, breaking into the interrogation and then reading from the Red Book. So he, they have plans for him to come back because I thought that actor was phenomenal. He is. He's already been portrayed in the in the trailers, and you should definitely give it a give a look for the Captain, uh, or excuse me, the uh, Winter Soldier uh, Falcon uh, mashup because are Z- they gonna, Zemo seems to be like it. Are they going to rename that show though? Where did they name it that to hide from us that he was getting the shield? Like, are they going to rename it, or is it going to be Winter Soldier and Falcon? Oh no, it, it is. It is the unison of those two names. I, I and and this is just my opinion. What I think they're going to do with that, I think that shield is going to be in both their hands. Because if we're going to go, what's going on in terms of the comic universe? Obviously, the next person in line was Bucky, and then after Bucky, it was Falcon. And I think we should have a mixture of the two because they're they're prominent figures within the MCU. Just the, the the introduction of the two of them came within the same movie, which was Winter Soldier. So, I, I think it would be just. I think I think they're great characters, and I think a unison of of the moniker of Captain America, whether they're giving it the shield to one longer than the other. I think uh, him giving it to Anthony Mackie's character, and then them staying true to the to the the foreshadowing that we saw in uh, First Avenger that. Both of them should have the shield at some point in some mm-hmm. fight. 
yeah, uh, Chalk saying, just finished my cooking. Did you touch on the subtle hint at Red Skull's a failed Captain America test? I touched on that in the mythology of my review, saying how the doctor knew not to pick, like, the bully, the mean soldier, because he knew he would end up like Red Skull. They would just create another tyrant. And so I did touch on that. That Red Skull was why the doctor knew like the mythology of captain america is very much built on the idea that he was selected because of who he was as a person and the doctor wouldn't have thought that if he hadn't already seen what happened with red skull so yeah i did touch on that in my review i i by the way really really liked that he didn't want um steve to promise him to be a good soldier or to be um the perfect uh, the perfect soldier. He wanted him to be a good man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was his promise. Yeah, and he calls back to that when he dies. He like pokes him in the heart because he had already said that. It's about what's in yeah, here. Exactly. So I thought that was good. Okay, if anybody doesn't have any fun. final thoughts, yeah, this was really fun. We're getting close to when I typically end <laughs> my day. A nice little, nice little forty minutes. This works. This works. We'll see how if if we get too many VIPs, we we'll have to maybe do it in shifts, like let three or four people go and then like transition. But I uh, I had a lot of fun with you guys. Thanks everybody for calling in. Let's go. Cool. Thank you for having us. This was an awesome opportunity. Definitely. Thank you very much, Lono. I'll be here for Miss Captain Marvel as well. Don't you worry. Thank you. Oh yeah, that'll be a good one. That'll be a good one. So if you're listening to this oh, yeah. as an audio version or a video version, the next episode will be Captain Marvel. Uh, we got a schedule right here for you for repeat theater. I should probably start putting this up during the episodes. Captain Marvel will be d- discussed on the 7th, live on the 7th. You'll watch that ahead of time. Refresh your brain. We're watching this chronologically. All the other shows are shown here as well. If you want to take part, you want to watch them live, go to repeattheaterlive.com. If you want to be a patron, just remove live. Just go to repeat theater.com pick a patron uh and that will allow you to take part in these live as a vip or submitting questions or just hit subscribe and the bell button that helps me out we'll do this four days a week this is the very first episode thanks everybody for all the support and as always please like share and subscribe